0: Welcome everybody to the university of applied research and development with our leaders videocast i'm delighted to have scott christman with us welcome
1: thank you it's a pleasure honored it's
0: gra- great to have you here and amongst this challenging time but your wealth of experience across different organizations and industries and and things you've done academically and commercially i really look forward to hearing from you
1: be happy to answer any of your questions
0: And right now you're focusing on completing your doctorate, which is a big challenge.
1: It is. It's uh, my DBA with a focus on leadership. Tell us about that. uh, Well, basically, uh, purely out of coincidence, when we take a look at what's happening with people working from home, my dissertation is communication strategies to enhance the performance of uh, of virtual sales teams. So it couldn't come about at a better time, not only in the United States, but all across the world where people are not working in buildings anymore. They're not co-located any longer. And it takes a, uh, it's a different kind of leadership when you're working with a dispersed group of people, not only that maybe in the United States, but you may have people on your team located from all parts of the world. And so I think it takes some unique skills from leaders if they plan on being successful and their people plan on being successful.
0: Yeah, look, I've I've noticed with um, an administrator that I have who's helped with some course development and also with a video editor, Um, there are some challenges because they're both based in Southeast Asia. I'm in New Zealand. I was in Indonesia. But because of the time zone, there are some differences, some cultural differences, technology challenges. What have you found are some of those challenges that people have to navigate their way through in in a virtual environment with a sales team? And and whether
1: they are, as you said, uh, located all across uh, the world, you really need to understand who your people are. Where do they come from? Do some research, what are the customs that are for that particular country? Uh, That's really important. In fact, I I taught a course for FedEx on international business. And you need to understand before you you decide to be a leader and your group, let's say, is very diversified uh, with people all over the world, You'd better understand some of those customs, otherwise, you're going to have some challenges uh, and and that's what you don't want to have. The most important thing, especially in uh, when people are working remotely, is their ability to trust their leader that is that is huge. That is the key to all of this. If there isn't trust with the leader and his people and the people amongst themselves, you're going to have a very difficult time achieving your objectives. In fact, it'll almost be impossible. And that, and the reality is with trust, that takes time to develop and you don't always have a lot of time. So uh, more communication, Uh, when you're working remotely, you're gonna have to communicate more with your folks. And that can either be whether you use the internet, whether you, uh, Uh, Use Zoom meetings like we're doing right now, or you've got to communicate more with your people. A couple other things that I think are of value too. You got to make sure you got the right people in the right seats. Do you have everybody playing the right positions? Do they understand what their role is? And do they understand what their value is to the entire company? What is it that they bring that is of huge value? And then as a leader, you know, there has to be measurements. What are those measurements? How do you measure people's performance so that there shouldn't be any misunderstandings? And then there has to be finally, really what's the common goal? You know, what, what are we here for? And we all have to be moving in, that same, moving in that same direction. And that's key. And again, it all starts with having the right people in the right spots.
0: Could we dig a little bit deeper into trust? What are some of the things that you found um, inhibit the growth of trust, particularly managing diverse and separate teams that leaders need to be mindful of?
1: I think that's part of just understanding who your people are. Take some time with them. It's not just about work. Do you know them as individuals? Do you know their families? Do you know that they have kids, that their kids play sports? Uh, try to understand and just ask them, you know, I'm, re- you know, as we, we talk a lot about, I don't want to get off track here, but we talk about co-leadership now where, or shared leadership because we live in a world today because there is so much technology, the leader can't know everything. So he or she must trust each individual who has a, a significant responsibility, and that has to go back and forth with each other. So I wanna know who my people are. I, I, I wanna know their kids. I wanna know what they like to do on the weekends. You know, what is it that makes them happy? So when you work remotely, it is essential, essential that you have, um, it's, let me put it to you this way. It's okay to be friends with the people you work with, even as the leader. And in fact I think the best leaders are friends with the people that are assigned to them
0: hmm. that's a challenging notion and that's a little different not everyone a little would different
1: agree that is exactly right they wouldn't they wouldn't but I think you know people want to know that you care and it's okay it's okay many people will think well What if we don't get to the end result? Well, everyone, if you know what your role is, if you know what the expectation is, then everyone needs to know that you're here because you're able to execute. Think of it this way. I used to play in the National Football League. I was a quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. And everyone on that team has a role. All 11 players on offense and defense have a role. And they all it it all happens at once in a sequence. And if the quarterback, I'll give you an example. The quarterback calls for a pass play, and there's a certain way to block on pass plays, and you have three linemen that say, Oh, I don't like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna run block. Well, the quarterback gets killed. And in and, and you don't win. So Everyone has that responsibility, everyone knows exactly what they have to do, and if they can't do it, here's the tough part, if they can't do it, they can't be on the team. That's the bottom line. Either do it, and you can't, and that's okay, or you know how to do it and you choose not to do it. Well, you can't be a part of the team. It just doesn't work that way. And as mm-hmm. we just talked just a couple of minutes ago, you know, think about when you've got a diverse group of people that come from many different uh, ethnicities that come from all over the world, you have to understand who that person is and where he or she actually came from. In fact, I'm using uh, the, the conceptual framework for my dissertation is uh, Hershey and Blanchard, situational leadership theory. And basically what that's all about is, and you, and you know, this is well as i do is that it's all about who is the person that you're talking to what is the situation and then how are you going to address it based on those two major criteria who is the person what can they take and and you know what is the expectation that you're going to have after you've had that kind of conversation with someone so it's not you know basically it's, it's just it's not one uniform for everyone Everyone is unique and different, and you have to treat people that way.
0: You spoke earlier about customs and understanding some of the customs of people. Um, I would say culture. I think we're talking about the same sort of thing, those traditions or habits or perspectives, um, responses sometimes that people have um, that are unique to their culture. Because you've worked with some very large organizations in the past, um, would you like to share some situations that you've been through where there's been a challenge and how you've handled that and that, that relationship between the theory and the practice?
1: I, I, I think a great example is, is I was hired once to go into a, a, an organization where people were scattered in many different directions. And the person that I replaced was very well liked. He'd been with the company for a long time. And as soon as I came aboard, it's, it's such so tragic, he passed away within a couple of months after I had come aboard. It was, it was terrible for the first year. And I just simply said to myself, you know, why should these people trust me? Why should they trust me? They loved this other person, but the company had grown past them. The owners wanted to go in a new direction, and I had the background for that. And so in the beginning, I just spent a lot of time showing people that I cared. I cared about them, what they were doing. Uh, if they had some personal issues, I would sit down and listen to what those personal issues were. I would try to direct them in the right direction to help them. Um, and I just wanted to get to know everyone. Who, who are you as an individual? What is it you like to do? When, when are you your most happy? And, and it, took, it took a lot of time just getting to know people so that they would begin to develop some trust in me. If I said I was going to do something, I made darn sure that I actually executed it. If they asked for something from me and I thought it was feasible, I made sure that within a relatively short period of time, I executed that. So they measured me on what my performance was just as I was measuring them on what their performance was. And I, I could talk to about other ones. I've spent most of my career um, going into companies that were broken and trying to fix what was broken. So that has been most of my career.
0: You mentioned in virtual teams, the notion of building trust is really important and what you've just been speaking about, I would imagine built a lot of trust between your team and yourself because you executed and you showed that you you cared. What are some of the things that aspiring leaders could do who are looking to make their next jump up to the next position or a new organization, or maybe they have no right. position yet? They're at entry level. What can they do to start cultivating these behaviors and attitudes in themselves before they take a, a leadership role?
1: That's a great point. In fact, I even wrote a couple of things down. So if you see me looking down here, I made a couple extra notes to myself. I think the number one thing for every single leader is, is having. Uh, a strong sense of emotional intelligence that's the key Jack Welch once was asked he said would you uh, and as you know Jack Welch uh, very successful at, at uh, uh, General Electric for many many years in fact in the 20th century he was uh, leader leader of the century during the 20th century and he, and someone asked him one time he says would you rather have someone that is extraordinarily bright but has average emotional intelligence or would you have somebody that's you know they're pretty good at what they do but they have, they have an exceptional emotional intelligence he said i would accept the i would hire the the individual with the most uh, emotional intelligence every single time so i think that's key but along with emotional intelligence here's what is some of us have some of we're just born with it it's part of who we are but everyone can learn emotional intelligence everyone can get better you have to understand yourself before you can lead others you have to know that what you say how you say it and the emotions that you use to say it are going to have an impact on people and you better understand the group or individuals that you're talking to, what kind of impact is that gonna have on someone? Especially with, especially with a dispersed group. So we better, instead of just making blanket statements, when we're addressing an individual, we need to think about what, how is that person going to accept, number one, what I'm saying? How are they gonna interpret what I'm saying? How will they respond to what I'm saying? And will we ultimately get over whatever it is we're having a problem with? And it probably isn't gonna just take one conversation. It's gonna take multiple conversations in order to accomplish what what you and that other person want to get accomplished.
0: Because you've come into new organizations, like you said, you took over, someone passed away. That's quite quite an emotionally high um, organization a lot of emotions involved a lot of tensions and difficulties and some people walk into organizations where it's flatlined there's no emotion there's no motivation no sense of urgency at all how can a leader who comes into an organization that's really flatlining and it's life or death for the organization but the apathy is just so prevalent how can a leader how mm-hmm. should a leader step into that organization and bring maximum change
1: Sure. Everyone wants voice and dignity. Everyone wants to know that they're, that they bring something special to that company. Everyone wants, everyone wants that and everyone deserves that. And especially since we now work in a world where you may have as many as five different generations in the same organization. I know we're not gonna get into that, but think about the dynamic of five different generations all trying to occupy the same space and, and try to get along. It's, it's almost impossible for that to happen. But here's, here's, I think, is the key. The key here is, is what is the role of that leader? Let's go back in that case in point where I had to go into this one company and the, and the person that had been there previous to me and he had passed away. Well, what I shared with my people was, here's why I was brought here. Here is what I have been tasked to accomplish. Now, leaders, what is your role? It's, you have to define what the vision of that company is going to be. And that's not always easy what is the vision where do you want this company to go at the end of the day what do you want it to ultimately be and you have to define what that is going to be you then allow everyone that's just below you they may come out they may come up with you know how this is actually going to get executed but you as the leader have to define and everyone has to see it here's what my vision is for the, this is what I want us to be when we grow up. And then everyone underneath that, their role is, how do we get there? How do we get there? And in spite, and, and here's a couple of easy things to go on. Leaders are, are, you know, this isn't general patent, leaders are happy people. They're smiling, they have families, they have kids, and they wanna present a, a, a view of the world that we can do this. I've done this before, you can, you can do this. Because in the past, maybe that person who used to give some ideas was always getting banged down in the organization. And so he or she just decided not to say anything. So you know, again, we go back to this issue of trust. My team has to trust me that the, that the direction that we are headed is the right direction. People may disagree with you. And in the old days, it was, well, you know, I'm the leader. This is what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. It doesn't work that way anymore. It doesn't work that way anymore. You define the vision and you, you sit with your people. And you, you may, before you can even begin to execute, you may take days or weeks and even some months for people to believe in the direction that you mm-hmm. want, the, the vision that you have for your company. And that takes one heck of a lot of time. Right. And along that process too, as the leader, you're going to define, as I said before, you're going to be able to define, do you have the right people in the right seats? Okay? You, and, and those are tough decisions that you ultimately have to make. Because in the end, once the, once the vision's been determined, everyone knows what their role is. We are measuring everyone based on what their role is and what their expectation is if somebody can't do it that can destroy everything you're trying to accomplish in your company mm. you could be, i've come i've gone into organizations and i've mostly been on the sales and marketing side i have had to unfortunately in multiple organizations terminate the highest producing people in the organization that's tough because they were not willing they were not willing to They didn't see the same vision that I saw or other people, and they just fought it. And you can't do that after a period of time. You just can't do it. Mm -hmm. No one thought I would do that, and I did. And it was, and I will tell you, it was such a wake-up call. It was a, a, they said, you know, Scott, we we never thought someone would do that. I said, well, you know, here's what we have to do. And we were all better off from it. We were all better off from it. it. Change, you know, people changed. Other people said, Geez, this guy—he really wants to help us. He really wants to help us, but everybody's got to go in the same direction. So, anyway, that's an upset on that.
0: That's fantastic. So I've got a number of things that I wrote down, and I always encourage everyone who's watching a video or involved in a lecture or a webinar with me to have their notebook. So I've been making notes as you've been talking, and um, you've mentioned dignity and trust and voice, which I completely agree is is critical in any sort of leadership position defining the vision making sure you're focusing on developing emotional intelligence and it can be learned that's that's a great pearl of wisdom scott thank you for that and building that ability to grow communication and identifying the right people in the right places and measuring performance that's a lot of wisdom right there in just a just a few 20 minutes, Scott. I really want to thank you for your time. Welcome. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to connect with you?
1: If they want to contact me, there's two things. I can give my they can add my phone number, which is 714-331-3437. Or they can contact me too, just at my normal email address, which is S Chrisman, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-N. And then the number is 2916 at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. What I'll also be doing for everybody is making sure that Scott's LinkedIn link is in the show notes as well and references to him as well. So Scott, thank you so much for your time. Have a fabulous 2021. Thank
1: you so much. And and doctor, thank you so much for, for having me. It was really a pleasure.